The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the officially unofficial podcast presented by Blue Wire Networks. I'm joined by a special guest, a man that just signed a deal with the Washington Nationals. It's my guy, Hobie Harris. How are we doing, brother? Doing good, man. I know it's not the Blue Jays, but, you know, it's going to get the job done Oh, well, yeah, the Blue Jays are just in cold. Uh, they're in the hot seat with me, but whatever. We'll work past it. But I want to go into it, man. I mean, fuck, dude. Like, this is a massive opportunity for you, a team that's obviously very young. Uh, obviously, they're not like a top, like, fucking first place team or anything like that but it's like it's a team that's rebuilding growing how how did they pitch it to you to sign there or like was there other teams in the mix because obviously you fucking carved last year so i mean there was probably a lot of teams in the mix right yeah so you know talking to my agent one of the things our our big selling point this year going into free agency was looking for that opportunity right because you know we we got sold a good pitch last year with the brewers and we thought we were going to get that chance and you know I feel like I went out there and did my job like I was asked to. And unfortunately, just the, the cars didn't fall in my favor. But uh, that was kind of our big thing. Going into free agency, we wanted to look for the team that was going to give us the most opportunity. Um, and it came down to there, – there are a couple of teams that reached out. It came down to uh, Washington and Oakland were the two that, that were the, the front runners for that reason because they're both in kind of that rebuild phase. And we looked like there was going to be that opportunity there. So they just pitched it in a way of – you know, what you see is what you get. We, you know, called a lot of guys up last year, a lot of NRI guys. Uh, there's going to be opportunity barring I go in and do my job. So, you know, just show up prepared, be ready to go, and hopefully that opportunity will present itself. Yeah, and uh, it, it's definitely it's a good opportunity. I just got to – I want before we go into more stuff about the Nationals, I want to go into the Brewers situation. I mean, this is obviously a team that gave away Josh Hader last year. Uh, all that type of stuff. And you carved, I believe you had like a one sub ERA, a sub one ERA, sorry, for the first couple months. W was part of you like, what are we, like, why haven't I been called up? Like, how hard was it for you to not be like discouraged with just staying down there in AAA when you're literally doing every single thing you can to be in the big leagues? Like, I, I would have been fucking pissed. It was, it was tough. Uh, there was actually a point of the season where I felt like I was more caught up in the fact that I haven't gotten called up yet. And that became more important than just me going out and doing my job every night. Yeah. And there was a, there was a couple of weeks span there where I felt like it was tough to even show up to the yard because 
it was that question of what else do I have to do? And I know early on, even though I was, I wasn't giving up any runs, it was, uh, you know, minimizing walks. That was a big thing that the Brewers don't like is walking guys. So just getting that number down. But once I did that, it was kind of look over my shoulders, like, you know, what else do you want me to do? Um, and it got to a point too, where, you know, I, I had a bit of a reality check and I, I reminded myself I'm 20, 28, 29 years old, still getting to play baseball. And at whatever capacity it is, I got to be grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I saw that it was affecting my performance to a degree. So I had to, I had to check myself a little bit, but it, there was a little bit of a span there where I looked back and said, you know what, what, what else do I have to do? So that, that was tough, but you know, work through it. Like, anything yeah. Else. Cause the thing, like, obviously, and I talked about it, uh, with Kevin Smith when he was like not getting called up by the Jays for that long time there, where he was like oh, mashing yeah. in AAA. He was like, guys in the team were looking at me and saying, like, dude, I don't know what more you have to do. Was that the same for you when you were with the Brewers? Like, were guys in the bullpen looking at your stat line and looking at your like advanced analytics and being like, dude, what the fuck more do you have? Like, if this guy isn't getting called up, how the fuck am I gonna get called up? Right? Like, what were they saying to you? So to make it worse, it there were teammates that were that were pumping me up saying that I should be up there. But beyond that, every team we played against, there were guys coming up to me, players and coaches alike, <laughs> saying, dude, like, what the hell are you still doing here? And part of it was because, you know, a lot of teams I played against this year, I, I found success. So they didn't like trying to hit off of me. Yeah. But on the other side, kind of to what you said, it's like, what more did I have to do? So every time, you know, we would play a different team, we'd roll into their place or they'd come here and they'd see me in the bullpen, they'd be like, why, why are you still here? And it got to a point where I really didn't know how to answer the question. So I just kind of laughed it off, but you know, it is what it is, but a lot of people were asking that question. Yeah. And your relationship with the brewers, like, was that, was that a tough one? Because I mean, obviously they probably, they sold, they, they had to pitch to you to come there, but was it just like, is, was that relationship kind of ruined towards the end of the year where you're like, obviously, like, listen, guys, like, I gave you my all in AAA. Meanwhile, you are playing in a city that is better than Milwaukee. I mean, you're playing in Nashville. So, I mean, I'll take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, yeah. But, like, were they – like, is that relationship just, like, not going to be able to get mended, like, if they called you back and stuff like that? Like, where, where does that stand? So, I tried not to – look too deep into the front office stuff and how things are handled just because I, as a player on the field, will never understand how any of the behind the scenes stuff works. Yeah. Uh, so, so I looked at it more from a perspective of, I loved the manager I played for the pitching coach I played for was awesome. He did a lot for my career and I, I tried to take as much of the positive as I could. And again, getting me through the last two months of the season, which was probably my most dominant point of the year, just being able to enjoy the team I was on. I mean, we had 91 wins as a team, most in triple a, Got to go to Vegas for the postseason, which was sick. So there was that time where it was almost a, a like, well, that that train's probably passed. I'm not going to get that call this year. So let's just enjoy it for what it is. And, you know, I, I was able to really, really enjoy the back half of the year. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, the front office stuff I try not to look into just because I'll never understand what's going on there. Yeah, it's just – it's a weird situation, man. Like, it just – it, it really doesn't make sense to me, and I see it all the time with guys. Like, a lot of politics go into it. Obviously, you don't have that – uh, you don't have that top 25 prospect tag right beside you, right? Like, uh, right. yeah, and all that stuff. And it's just weird to me. So, I, I'm happy now you're in, like, an, a situation here with the Nationals where, listen, man, you have a good chance to make this team right off of the – right off the bat, right? Like, you – is that something they, like, said to you? Like, you, you impress us here in spring training. Like, you're going to be here. Um, with us like uh it's opening day and stuff like that like is that 
like a realistic possibility? Because I'm I, obviously it is with especially with your stats here. Yeah, so it's definitely realistic, and obviously there are questions that you can't ask as far as like what they can guarantee me, right? Because yeah. Just like anybody else is a business, and they got to go out and they've got to they've got a piece of team together that's going to win them games. But what I did make sure uh, to kind of mention to them is I'm looking for opportunity in camp. I feel like these past two years with the Jays and then with the Brewers, I was in camp, but I didn't get as much of an opportunity as yes. well as I was. So I said, as long as you, as long as I come in prepared and you give me a chance to show you what I can do, I feel like I've got a good chance. And you know, they were able to 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 kind of reassure me that I'm going to get those opportunities and kind of take them and do with it what I will. So. Yeah, and, and when Corbin Burns got traded last year, were you like, all right, like you could be honest here, it was like party, like, all right, here we go. Like, this is my chance now. I've obviously I have a sub two, I think your area was 204 uh last year, which is fucking wild. But like where was where was in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, Corbin Burns is gone. That's a spot in the bullpen that maybe I could fill here. Was that something that was running through your head? <laughs> Talk about hater, you mean? Hater, sorry, why did I say Corbin Burns? Hater, yes. Uh you know, it was uh when I saw that news, it was kind of surreal because I'm I'm thinking if there's one guy this team doesn't want to trade because you want him for a playoff stretch, like yeah, talking about the best reliever in the game. Uh, so it it was shocking to everybody. Uh, and once that kind of subsided, we looked at it, thinking that's a that's an opportunity that you know Devin was probably going to take that role over because he was so dominant and obviously with that changeup he throws, he's he's nothing less than just spectacular with it. Um, but we, we thought there was going to be an opportunity for some openings in the bullpen. And after that move was made, uh, the subsequent moves with three or four other bullpen arms coming over made it seem a little bit uh, yeah. less likely, you know, with uh, with Rogers coming over and then signing Matt Bush. And even, uh, who was it, Dilson Lamette that they signed in yeah. PFA before he even Lamette, got yeah. to the team. So, yeah. I don't know. It, again, I – that was around the time where I felt like I was really caught up with the moves and kind of looking every day at the transaction sheet to see what was going on, just to realize all it was doing was hindering my performance. So, yeah, that's a good point, man. It just, you can't control, you can't really control what this front office and stuff is doing. It just, it's a weird situation because uh, you are just absolutely fucking carving. Like they're, you had no business being in AAA is what I'm trying to say. Like you really did. Like it, it's crazy to say that, but you really didn't have any business being a AAA. But what, what did you, like what? What was some things that they worked on last year for you? Like, did did they like implement a pitch or like what are the pitching? Because I mean, that two hundred four ERA is insane. You know, one of the big things, uh, and at first it was incredibly backwards to me because the back. Well, I guess a, a strong part of the year last year when I was in Buffalo, uh, my velo was you know upper nineties up to a hundred, and I was just feeling really good with my fastball. Yeah, and one thing they were having me do in Nashville was throw less fastballs. Number one, because uh, my splitter was playing really, really well. And by the end of the season, I was throwing that shoot probably 65% of the time. Really? Uh, yeah. And then there'd be outings where I'd go out there and throw 15 pitches. I'd throw 13 splitters. Wow. But uh, on the other hand, that would also help my fastball play up more too. So a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of pitch sequencing and how I was using my arsenal uh, mixed with just really focusing on trying to pound the strike zone early in the count and then just put guys away late. Those two things kind of paired together help help find some success. What's Nashville like? I mean, that I obviously like tons of friends I play in the minors and they like send me Snapchats or pictures of like the stadium having like the guitar in center or left field, yep. whatever it is, and then the strip. And 
how fu- how sick is it to play there? I mean, not I would never leave. Like I would live there. So my wife and I, had we not bought a house back here in Texas during the season, we we talked about staying there for the off season just because why not do it while we can? It's a sick yeah. place to be. Yeah. Um, having Mondays off was great because my wife and I would go down to Broadway. We'd get lunch and just kind of bounce to the different bars and listen to music and stuff. And both of us being big country music fans, it's not a better place to be. And then, you know, you go play out there on a weekend and nine, 10,000 people and it's loud. People love their sports in Nashville. And we were, I mean, we were a big league team to those fans, which was sick. Yeah. And I think, I think they showed a stat, um, our last home series of the year. If you took, I guess we played half our games at home. So the 75 odd games we played at home, the combined, um, attendance for the year was over half a million holy shit for a freaking triple a team over that is in one season that's great would people be getting fucked up at those games like where there's a lot of like rowdy like people at that because i mean i heard not like obviously i've never been in nashville but i heard it's just unreal yeah and i mean i feel like every weekend there's something going on whether it's concert (laughs) Uh, toward the, the back half of the season, obviously the Titans play there, so they were right up the street. Yeah. Um, there are always bachelor and bachelorette parties in town, and it, it's being a destination for people to come visit. There was always a new crowd every weekend, so that made it interesting, and people come to Nashville just to absolutely blow it out, so you'll see some crazy stuff, but that it was, is it was a <laughs> sick place to be. That is so sick, dude. Like, would any country music, like, artists come to your guys' games and stuff like that? Like, do you guys have anyone throwing out first pitches or stuff like that? So we – actually, a couple of my my buddies on the team and my wife and I, we made friends with uh, quite a few of the bands that would, would be, um, you know, normal players on Broadway. They go out there and play every week. Uh, so we had a lot of, like, smaller bands come out. But as far as uh, – like big name guys, you know, I'm sure that there were some that came to the game, but you'd be surprised how many of those guys you'd run into just walking down the street. Really? Who did you run into? Uh, I I mean, I've, I know, shoot, I can't tell you how many big country music stars live out there, but you'll, you'll look, uh, I know Luke Bryan's out there all the time. Cole Swindell's out there a lot, just walking the strip. Um, just a bunch of different, bunch of different country music guys. So, you know, the, the heart of country music, you can't kind of, can't expect much else. That is, that town is just fucking incredible. But yeah, would a lot of guys like come to Nashville and play you guys and just be like, man, how the fuck do you guys play here? Like I'm playing in the middle of like Tennessee, I'm miserable. And you guys are playing in Nashville. Like that is insane. Yeah, no. And a lot of a lot of buddies I have that are that are in AAA played in different teams that came to Nashville and play against us, and I feel like it was a couple of times a series they'd be like, "Hey, we're going, we're going out to Broadway, we're going to blow it out while we're in town because we can." And they're like, "I don't know how you guys do it, freaking living here. We'd be we'd be broke and drunk all the time." If yeah, we no, I that is so sick. Did, who who are uh, did you get to face Kevin and stuff? No, so. Kevin and Kirby and those guys that I played with last year were uh, in Vegas, so they were in the PCL. So we oh, okay. playing as them. So when you guys played in Vegas for the championship, I believe you guys faced the Durham Bulls. Um, yeah. 
is that the is that one of the best minor league teams you've ever seen? I mean, that's like pretty much a big league team, right? Like just they were any way you look at it, they were a very, very strong team. I mean, they had stupid juice at the plate. They were all freaking six four tall left handers that had home run power. Uh they had a bunch of either seasoned veteran guys or prospect guys that were starters and their bullpen was all coming out throwing 96 plus. So across the board, they were just, they were strong. Uh, and we played them three different series throughout the course of the year. And it was pretty even. I think we ended up uh, going like nine and seven or no, it would have been like 10 and eight regular seasons. So it was pretty split. Yeah. Um, but I remember the last series of the year against them, we played in Durham and it was, it felt like the world series because the two best teams uh, in the international league, just going back and forth, freaking battling it out. And it was like every, every pitch mattered, every swing mattered. And it was just, it was cool. Yeah. I mean, that team is, well, I couldn't imagine what it was like when it was like Wander Franco was there and shit that yeah. that stadium's actually sick too. in Durham, I think they got a that pretty is. decent amount of fans as well. It's yeah. like, they treat a lot of, they treat it like it's the show, man. They really do. But where's the Washington triple A team? They're in Rochester. So oh, in, oh yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Good friend of the show, Cade Cavalli, number one prospect for them. I think he's our. Yeah. I think yeah, he's in the show actually. I think he's yeah, he's in the show. He, uh, he made yeah, I remember playing him last year. He's got some good shit. He throws like ninety nine to like one oh. He's he's insane. He's so good. But uh, yeah, that team's gonna be. I mean, that's impressive. So th- we're good. I'm good friends with One Pursuit Takes on Twitter, who's a massive Nashville fan page and stuff like that. What was the reception like by the national fan? I saw some people tweeting like Victor Robles strike you striking out Victor Robles <laughs> and stuff like that. What was it? I mean, a lot of positive DMs or like comments or like what was it like from the national fan? Uh, you know, honestly, I aside from the just the yearly post of where I'm headed, I don't look into it too much. Yeah, uh, especially like on Twitter. I know there are a bunch of people that go in and see the transactions and and love to, to either love it or hate it and make their opinion known because they're yeah want to be GM. Yeah, and if you you know if you're sitting behind a phone typing, you can say whatever you want and think yeah. it doesn't matter. So, you know, I I typically wait for other people to tell me what they've read because <laughs> I I try to stay out of it. But all the all the reception I got on my post on Instagram was was um, was positive. It was all supportive, and everybody seems to think it's a good opportunity. So yeah, I saw Garrett Mitchell comment that what's that guy's deal? Like, what's it like playing with? I mean, that guy has it all. I mean, he's a he's a, gr- a great looking dude. He mashes. He's obviously in the show now, but I mean, what was it like your time with uh, G Mitch? I mean, that guy's a freak. So I actually met G Mitch last year. He he built or bought a house in McKinney here in Texas, where I'm from. Really? Uh, and I trained with him a little bit last off season. So he was actually a, a guy that I knew uh, going into spring training between him and then Rowdy, obviously from the Blue Jays. But, uh, you know, G Mitch is a good dude. He's like you said, stupid talented. He, one of the fastest kids I've seen and um, you know, for, for a good reason, he kind of shot through the system, got his shot in the big leagues and, you know, we'll, we'll probably see him up there for quite a bit because he, he's got what it takes. So he's so good. You know, he's a good dude. He's got a lot of skills and, you know, to have his support's pretty cool. Tell him to come on one time, man. I mean, fuck. I mean, the guest list here is buzzing. I, all we're missing here is Garrett Mitchell. I mean, we've, we have had Logan Webb last week. We've had Strider. We've had all the boys. I mean, where's Garrett Mitchell at? Let's tell him to figure <laughs> it out. I got the connect. I can look it up. <laughs> tell him to figure it out. Tell him to get on. But anyways, man, what are you doing right now in Texas? Are you just uh, like, are you one of the guys that takes two, three weeks off throwing or something like that and just kind of fucks around, just chills with the family? Or are you like still throwing a lot and stuff? 
So the first two weeks when I was home, actually, I bought our house the beginning of September. And then I wasn't home until like the second week of October. So my wife and I, right when I got back, spent the first week moving into our house. Yeah. Um, took a week off or so from there. Um, I was still in the gym doing some stuff. And then my wife and I took a, a trip to Europe for a week and a half. We went to Prague for five days and went to Dublin. So that was sick. Just yeah. kind of explore Europe. I'd never been. And we got to spend some time out there. And I actually just started throwing again this week. Um, is it, is it like, is it 80 poo or what are we, what are we talking about here? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the the first couple of throws on Monday, I was like, yeah, I can tell I've taken some time off. Cause this kind of just feels like it's hanging off of there. But <laughs> typically I was talking to one of my buddies, uh, Chase Anderson, who, who's got a decent amount of showtime. He's been my throwing partner, uh, since I've been in pro ball for yeah. the off season and, uh, we both just started throwing again and we agreed it's the first kind of like week, week and a half before you start feeling like you're actually an athlete again, just cause you got to get yeah. the, the arm going. But you know, once we get over that hurdle, we'll be good to go. But I, I, I typically like to take a little bit of time off just because it is a long season. It's a grueling season. And, and I feel like we earn a little bit of time to ourselves to just kind of wind down. Yeah, that's a good point. I just like, I, I don't know how a professional athlete, like how hard it is to just, cause obviously you're going out of you're, you're throwing hard and like, you're obviously you're in the high nineties and stuff like that. And then you just stop throwing and then you have to get right back into it. I mean, that has to just be like impossible to kind of get your arm back into it. Like how long do you think it's going to take you to get back up to throwing like mid nineties, high nineties after taking that long break? It'll probably be just based off of the throwing program I do and the progression as far as both the number of throws, the volume and the intensity goes. Uh, it'll be around the new year, kind of ramping up and really hitting the ground running. But until then, it's more just build up the volume, make sure the arm feels good going through the motion and stuff like that. But to your point, you know, a lot of those guys, you look at like Verlander and Scherzer and a lot of those guys in the big leagues, they throw year round for that reason. So they don't have to go through that shutdown and that kind of. Yeah, I guess the older you get, right? The older you get, like less breaks you can take because your body, if once it turns off, it might not come back on. Right. So that does make sense. So is the Washington spring training facility in Florida? Yeah. They're in West Palm beach. What's better, Florida, Arizona? Well, it's relative, right? It's based off of what you, what you like better. But for me, for me personally, I've always preferred Florida. Uh, I spent the, even, I guess this year, the entirety of my career with the, uh, with the exception of this year's spring training and the fall league, I've spent the entirety of my career on the East coast. Um, so I like Florida. I like, I prefer the humidity because being from Texas, I'm used to it. My yeah. wife loves the beach. Uh, and I just feel like baseball down there is pretty cool. So I've, I've, I've always been a Florida guy. for spring I don't think the ball flies there, right? Is Or is that opposite? The ball flies there, not in Arizona. Or I don't know. I saw some balls fly in Arizona this year. So I, if I were to if I were to say it flies, it'd be in Arizona. I think it's more pitcher-friendly in Florida. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Yeah, so that's I mean that's good for the spring training stats. I mean, who's no, one no. guy on the uh, Nationals you're looking forward to like uh, playing? Beside, I know I don't know if Nelson Cruz is still there. I'm not quite sure, but so I know they have a decent amount of guys there. I was actually thinking about that, and I reached out to him uh, yesterday. Uh, former Blue Jay, actually, Riley Adams, catcher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they traded him for uh, Broadhand, the worst trade yeah. in history. Yeah. So he was one of my favorite catchers I've ever thrown to, and. I didn't actually spring or uh, free agency was kind of a whirlwind. I didn't until things settled down. I didn't get a chance to actually think clearly about going to this team and who yeah. was around. But uh, I remember that that Riley was there. I'm like, that's that's going to be cool because I love throwing to him. Is he, uh, did he hit actually, you back up? Yeah, he did. He said he was excited that we get to play together again and should be a, a good opportunity. That's all. I mean, dude, you get to play with some fucking legends, bro. Like, you're going to be there with Steven Strasburg. Yep. That's going to be sick. Are, are, are you the type of guy that likes to pick these big leaguers' brains? Like, did you do that at Brewers camp last year? Were you picking some of the relief guys' brains and stuff? I try to I try to do it situationally. I don't like to be that guy that's over the top and kind of – Yeah, no, for ter- sure. Terribly intrusive, right? But Yeah. Yeah, if I get an opportunity, like, there was – there's a – time like the second weekend after the lockout ended and all the all the big leaguers came back where we were going through like a pfp circuit or something and uh you know i i talked to hater for 10 or 15 minutes just about really stuff that he's he's seen things that he you know has has used for uh for success whether it be throwing wise or just uh you know pre-game stretch wise stuff like that that Part of it's just for you know friendly conversation to get through whatever drill we're doing, but also for my benefit, I like to I like to you know pick those guys' brains, like you said, and kind of see what I can use for myself. Yeah, I mean that's a good opportunity, especially a guy that like kind of obviously he's a lefty, but kind of same stuff. I mean, throws gas and has really good off speed stuff. So was Hater um like did he talk like did he give you some stuff like what did you get like what was the biggest thing you got from Hater that you think makes him different like just the way he approaches things. <laughs> Talking about making somebody different, the game of baseball is so monotonous and all the stuff that we have to do on a daily basis, especially from an activation perspective. Um, And I asked him about some of that and he gave me a little bit of what he likes to do to warm up. And then the next couple of days while he was in the weight room getting loose, I actually took a few minutes to watch what he did. And he was not only so incredibly meticulous with everything he did but the amount of time he spent going through these different movements to make sure his body was prepped and ready to go was was pretty cool because i feel like a lot of guys especially the guys that you know the the younger guys who number one their body can handle it and number two they've always been the best on the team and their prospects and they could just go out and do whatever they got to do he takes the prep work more seriously than he does the stuff he does on the mound and i feel like that that plays an enormous role yeah he is he's special man he's so he's so good dude i mean just what he's been able to do for so long is insane so that is cool to pick the brains of guys like that but um going with the now i mean who's one guy i mean obviously strasburg's gonna be a good guy to pick the brain of and stuff like that next year when you're up there with those guys or even in spring training you mentioned watching what Hater does. Do you kind of sometimes will take a back seat and like look at what these guys are doing like that that are really successful and just kind of like is some of the stuff you do right now in preparation to when you pitch is is that taken from some other guys you've watched or is this something you've just like kind of adapted to over time? Uh, 
Yeah. So my prep work, I guess the way that I attack everything from, from my prep work to my throwing program, to my bullpen stuff, to even what I'm doing in the game, it's been built over the course of my career based off of things that I've learned from guys or things I've seen from guys and kind of just trial and error and we'll see what works best for me. So it's kind of a, it's a hodgepodge of all those sorts of stuff that I've seen uh, and just kind of tried and whatever I've liked, I've kept around. Yeah. Um, but I certainly like to take a backseat to those guys, especially the ones that, that not only have been up there, but have been up there for a while and know what it takes to kind of stick up there because Although the game is the same, once you get to that level, I know to a degree there are some differences and some things that you need to learn to make sure that you uh, can sustain it up there. So so I, I like to observe what I can. And yeah, speaking about the Jays and stuff, so did you see what uh, – I don't did – you, did you you played with Baker, right? Oh, yeah. He's one of my best friends. Okay, yeah. Baker's, yeah, a good friend of mine. Yeah, I've gotten pretty close to him over time. Did you see – I'm pretty sure I got him on the show. Yeah. Yo, you did. You did. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What I meant to say. Okay. Yeah. That's actually a good point. I do remember that. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember what he did to the Toronto Blue Jays with the showboating stuff? Was that, oh, yeah. he was, so listen, he was hated by Blue Jays fan. Like they hate him now, but did, when he did that, were you just like, dude, what the fuck is this shit? Like, was that like something that he does? Like he obviously has a lot of emotions on the mound which is what makes him like good and, and stuff like that but were you like this is the most baker thing of all time absolutely so <laughs> last year i mean there are so many different ways i can go with this and i got to remember at least a couple of them because they're all good but there were times where baker showed up to the yard and he just you could tell that he was out for blood and there was a difference between, and we even claimed it in the bullpen. We said we have Baker thrown or we have disrespectful <laughs> Baker thrown because there were times he go out there. I remember a game in Worcester last year. He pitched two innings, punched out five of six, and almost fought a group of fans in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> what did he like? Did he have to get held back with the fans? What happened? So obviously there's a net there, but he's like basically the same kind of emotion and fronting the bullpen or the uh the blue jays dugout this year he did that to his group of drunk fans that were in the front row in Worcester last year and basically said hold my nuts i just struck out five or six and i'm better than you (laughs) (laughs) what a fucking legend i mean that's just who he is though right like he's watching the watching the one he did it twice this year uh but the one that because we still have a group chat from from Buffalo last year, so we were kind of pumping him up in that. But uh, the one where he punched out Bichette looking at friggin' 100 at the knees yeah. and then just, like, about lost his mind, that was one yeah. of the coolest things I'd seen. That was... And then, and then he fronts the dugout, and he's, like, walking towards the dugout, and it's almost like he's running a friggin' poster out from his dugout. Over yeah, to the blue it was dugout. crazy, bro. I Being so... Be, I... I I couldn't – I had to approach it with the Jays podcast. Like, I didn't really talk about it because he's my guy, and I'm not going to bash guys that come on this podcast. But people right. were, like, coming out for blood. Like, they – like, Jays fans fucking hated him. But that's just, like – it's all perspective, right? Like, if that was a Jays player doing that, we'd, we'd all love it. If it's a guy against the Jays, you hate it. It's just – that's what it right. is. But 
that's the fire that Baker has on the mound. And that's why he ha- he's able to throw a hundred and like ha- have those nasty pitches that are just right at the knees on the black because he has such high intensity on the mound that it's just all adrenaline. So he's always been like that. Like what was running yeah. through that blue Jay? What was running in that Buffalo Bison's group chat? Because obviously there were some guys there that were on the team. Right. So like that would right. have been awkward. Well, you know, first and foremost to that point, I think a lot Baker's always been like that. Um, I know for me personally, whenever I get to pitch against organizations I've been with, like last year in Buffalo, when I pitched against Scranton, I had a, an extra gear just because Yeah, it was kind of proven what proven them wrong for what they didn't have anymore, what they kind of let go. Yeah. And I feel like Baker, the, the campaign he put together in 2021 in AAA was just absolutely absurd. And for him to get called up in September just to pitch one inning and then get DFA'd, like I would have a freaking fire into my ass too. hundred percent going out. And it's basically like, again, proving them wrong because they didn't give him the, the ample opportunity he deserved. Yeah. But in our group chat, it was basically the video of him freezing bow at a hundred at the knees. And we're just like, you've been freaking normal 96, 97 all year and <laughs> face of Jays. And all of a sudden we're seeing triple digits. So it's like, <laughs> brings it out of them it was rock star shit dude i had to tip my cap at it like to be able to do that against like a good hitter that i believe was raking at the time in boba i think that was this oh, month yeah. he hit like three something it's yeah. just you gotta tip your cap like i mean that was rock star shit and uh like the, was baker like laughing about it or because that's probably like a blocked out moment right where he oh yeah it, it had to be but but whenever he was getting the feedback from us uh you, you could tell he was he was eating it up a little bit and i mean as you should right it's like not only did he go out and just absolutely dominate and do his job that the blue jays didn't give him a chance to do he did it putting triple digits on the radar gun which is what everybody wants to do so that he's was, a rock star bro he's a fucking yeah, he's rock a star he's, he's a such a beauty he's such a good dude like that's the thing man it's like the Jays fans would be praising the fuck out of this guy if, yeah. if that was a Jays reliever doing that. So it just there, it, there's always two sides to the story and stuff like well, that. Well, so you, you could probably say the same thing about the the bat flip Jose Bautista had back in was it yeah. 2014? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I, I grew up a Rangers fan, so I was on the other side of that. So I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, but exactly. Again, it's it's all perspective. So I get it. Exactly. Is that something that you think you you is that something you can see yourself doing? Like let's say nationals brewers next year and you punch out the side like obviously not to maybe even to that extent but it is something that you don't really have control of it's like you just black out right like is that something that you could do next year you think like you could see yourself doing again to your point of blacking out yes i could certainly see myself just (laughs) like i i get this over like i get overwhelmed with emotion when i pitch and whenever again when it's meaningful like that and i feel like i for lack of a better description, I'm almost pitching with a vengeance. Like you're going to see something come out of me. That's not going to be controlled. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be pure raw uncut emotion. And you're, you're going to see what, what's been pent up and what I want to let out. So, you know, I hope I get that opportunity, but we'll see. As it should be, man. I mean, that's as it should be. I mean, obviously, especially like, it's like, it's like, it's like when you see your ex-girlfriend or whatever at a bar and you're doing better and you just like like to flaunt that shit, you know? It's just it's the same thing, man. Like it's it's raw emotion and every single fan that says that's bullshit, don't do that, they would do the exact same fucking thing if they were in the same situation that you were in. That's and the, the reason that, 
The reason they hate on it is because they've never been there. Yeah, exactly. And unless, unless you've been there and you understand what it feels like to have that just coursing through your veins, you shut up and don't talk to me. And the funniest, thing, like. the funniest thing is, is like Baker is just a, a massive human being. A Jays fan oh, yeah. would not even like they would not even think about saying that he would fucking put them in a blender in like half a second. He is oh, yeah. a scary fucking guy. He's a massive yeah, he's, man. He's 6'6", six, six, like 245, <laughs> 250, and he will eat you. Yeah. And then, so I have two more questions here. So obviously you're a big pit football guy. Um, Kenny Pickett, you in and out, you in or out on him as a quarterback. Cause I mean, that guy, he's struggling. It's first year. I mean, you can make the argument with Justin Field. It took him a couple of years to get into it, right. but Kenny Pickett, man. I mean, that guy, I mean, the Steelers are also terrible. So, I mean, that's a weird thing, weird place to be in. I'm, I'm a Kenny Pickett fan. I have been, uh, for ever since he was a starter at Pitt, but, um, uh, you know, even being a bit of a Steelers fan, just because my my family's originally from from Pennsylvania, and obviously being a, a Cowboys fan, I can't root for the Eagles. So, um, you know, as far as their offense is concerned, my fantasy team would be a lot better off if Najee started doing a better job. But <laughs> yeah, I mean that guy's struggling. Conversation. Yeah, that guy's struggling. You know, I think you can make that argument for Justin Fields. You can talk about. I mean, some of those guys are seeing that have had success, even if it's just hit and miss, like Zach Wilson and um, Trevor Lawrence and some of those younger guys. Like, give him that ample opportunity. He's going to show you what he can do. And he's got weapons around him. I know they just dealt Claypool, but he's still got Pickens and he's got Najee's pass catching back. Yeah. He's got Deontay Johnson. And I know Friar Muth at the tight end position is solid too. So I think. Uh, you know, if nothing else this year, just get his feet wet, kind of get him into the, the swing of things and kind of transfer from, you know, the NCAA into the NFL and see what uh what kind of role he can get on next year. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm team Pickett for sure. How far are you from Georgetown, Texas? I'm going to be there in two weeks. Uh, That's right, just outside of Austin. So that's probably three hours for me. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, because I'm going there for a wedding Uh, for okay. Nolan, Nolan Kingham. Yeah, I've never – I don't think I've been – I've maybe been to Texas once in junior college, but it's so fucking big. I don't even – like, I was like – I hit up a couple of my buddies in Texas for through the podcast, and they're like, dude, you're like six hours away. Like, you're right. not even anywhere near me. Yeah. So what – like – what do you, what do you, like, what sports teams are near you? Like, do you, can you go to a Dallas Stars game or hockey oh, game yeah. or is that? So we're, where I grew up, I grew up about 30 minutes east of where we bought our house, but uh, we're just north of the Dallas Metroplex. So we could get to Cowboy Stadium, we could get to the American Airlines Center, or we could get to uh, Ballpark in Arlington all in less than an hour. Dude, you gotta be you gotta you gotta go to the Dallas Stars game. Those are lit. I've seen like some obviously I'm Canadian, so I'm biased with it, but they those Dallas Star fans are fucking rowdy. Like those games yeah. look sick. Those games are nuts. Yeah. I've been to so the only other game that I've been to, I've been to a handful of NHL games, but the only other game that I've been to that I could say is a little bit more intense and electric is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, okay. Was it a playoff game? Yeah, so that, that's a little bit unfair. Well, well it, you, you didn't go to a Nashville game. Those games are fucking crazy, too. They throw catfishes on the ice and shit like that. Those people are fucking wild down there. So yeah. that, that makes sense. But Jerry's World, you being close to Jerry's World's electric, that stadium looks insane, dude. I've never seen it in yeah. person, but it looks crazy. Yeah, it's dope. I've been there. I've seen one Cowboys game there. Uh, and then the Texas High School State Championships are held there every year. So when I was, I guess, a sophomore in college, when I was in junior college, I came home to watch those. I watched Kyler Murray, his junior and senior year. Wow. 
So yeah, it's, I mean, you see like Friday night lights and all the, uh, the stigma that Texas high school football gets. And it's, it's truly a religion down here. It's not even a sport anymore. It's a culture, it's a religion and it's big deal. Yeah. And we, I don't realize, we don't realize in Canada, obviously, because our high school sports are insane, like shit, but just seeing the high, the Friday night lights is great. It's real life there, man. Like that's, there's, oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a high school field near your house where it's like, probably fits like 20,000 people like, or close well, to yeah. it. Hold on. I, I was just thinking about that. So the, my high school, or I guess McKinney where I'm from has three high schools and they share a stadium, but the stadium that they just built a few years ago is <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. I they, they dump so much money into it, and no one gives a fuck, which I respect. I wish they did that here, but um, the U.S. is the best. Seven, man. Seventy million, seventy million for the stadium. Holy shit! Yeah, fuck, dude, Texas is the best. That's fucking incredible. It's, and those, there's probably just like a hundred five star recruits playing in that game too. It's probably just just all five star recruits fucking playing in those games. So it's sick. Um, yeah, man, I, it just it, it, there it, you it, go. It, Holy fuck, dude. And for like, the people listening, it literally looks like it looks like a small big like the big house, like where Michigan plays. That's so fucking it, crazy. It, they host like the uh FCS championships and like division two championships and stuff there too. So oh my god, big, that's so deal. sick, man. That's so sick. Anyways, brother. Um I'm fired up for you, dude. Really, I, when I saw that news, I was like, "All right, like now," because obviously we we talk in season and stuff like that. I kept I keep tabs on you and uh, like I do with all the guys on the podcast, and uh, just seeing you carve and stuff like that. It's awesome. It's I I know obviously it's not guaranteed to be in the show next year, but it's awesome to be able to like be technically one step closer and have like a really really good chance to right. be like I think this is the best scenario for you. Um, with the Nationals, obviously, like a rebuilding team like this, and. Man, I am so fucking pumped to see all the posts and uh, whenever it does happen, it's it, it's going to be like a full circle, long time coming, man. No one more deserving, brother. And uh, keep doing your thing. I'm pumped. Going to be pumped for you next year, man. And uh, let's uh, let's make it. Let's fucking have a debut next year, huh? Let's fucking do it. We're gonna make it happen, man. I really appreciate the time and, like you said, the opportunity is there. And now we just got to take advantage of it. There it is. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.